Good morning, everyone. Shabbat Shalom. It's good to have everyone here. And I know that we're in starting the summer. We uh, still have a good good number of people here. And it's always a matter of quality of people rather than necessarily quantity of people. And we have a good group that are here today. So before I get started today, we'll start with a word of prayer just to get our hearts and minds ready for this time. O Lord, open my lips, that my mouth shall declare your praise. Lord, open our ears, Lord, that we can hear from your word, from your, your servant Paul, and, and to learn to live our lives modeling our Messiah and living in unity as a community, as a witness to the world that we are followers of you, our Messiah. And in his name we pray. Amen. After the sermon each week, as we close our service, we recite the Elenu, in essence, our acceptance of the words of Torah that we heard in the Torah service, and it is also our acceptance of our duty, duty to go out from this place to live to honor God in our daily lives. We as followers of Yeshua have made it a custom which is now reflected in the main Bati text of our Siddur, to have an addition to the conclusion of the Elenu, an aff affirmation of the Lordship of Yeshua in our lives, and a declaration of his future reign as king over all creation. This is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, and we'll be reciting that after, after the sermon as a part of the Elenu. In this, we, we declare the future reign of Yeshua as king over all of creation. And so doing, we, we, we make known to ourselves and all who attend our submission to Messiahship and Lordship of Yeshua. We make a clear declaration of the one that Rabbi Mark Kinzer has called the unseen and ever-present one in the midst of the Jewish liturgy. This making the point that Yeshua is ever-present in the synagogue service, though most of our people do not acknowledge him and his place. Though the various synagogues around the area will be saying, will saying these prayers that, that will, though, though they don't acknowledge it, is prayers acknowledging the Messiahship of Yeshua and acknowledging him. We hear, we hear, you know, both say those words, believe them, and also with the inclusion of the section from Philippians 2, we specifically and definitely affirm that Yeshua is the one who is our Messiah, who is our Lord, and who is the one to which one day it says all knees on heaven and earth and below will, will bow. This gives us an, a clarity and a focus in our our time of, of uh, reciting the, the Elenia, which is basically after going through the Torah service, if you understand the process of, the, of the, the Jewish service, it's moving up to the Torah service, we get to basically at Mount Sinai again, we get the words of Torah, we also have the Torah and the Brit Hadashah reading, and then with the Elenu, we're basically taking that word, taking that message, and what we learn out into the world to make known the God of Israel in our world and to show that we are followers of him. As I said, we'll be reciting after our sermon, but the words are so powerful and deeply meaningful, I would like to try to read them through. 
I put in the word that try to because I, w- I was getting really, really emotional saying these words. But I will, tr- I will try to try to hold this together. So this, is, this is from uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore God raised him, that is Yeshua, to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that in honor of the name given Yeshua, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will acknowledge that Yeshua the Messiah is Adonai to the glory of God the Father. These words make a powerful declaration of who Yeshua is as Messiah and Lord. And looks forward to that day of his being acknowledged as Adonai, the Lord of all, by all of creation. There's also an interesting note for us as a messenger's community. Is that these words from Philippians are believed to have been translated by Paul into Greek from an earlier written Aramaic or Hebrew hymn or prayer that was part of the earliest worship of the Messianic Jewish community. So this, this here, though the, the Paul wrote the letter, letter in Greek, there's, 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 because of, there's, of the different language, language use in, in it, it's believed that he actually translated from which would have been a prayer that would have been a part of the Messian Jewish community in the time. So as we, as we recite this, we also are participating in one of the earliest Messianic Jewish liturgical pieces. This is a powerful information that gets much attention in theological study, where, where it comes to understanding the divine nature of this passage here, the divine nature and the understanding of the early Messian Jews, their understanding of, of Yeshua and his relation to and placed with the God of Israel. But interesting enough, though it is understood by most, though it is interesting that this passage is mostly understood as in the context of, of Paul teaching the people of Philippians and us as ones who read the letter about the importance of unity, that this is the climax of, his, of, of a teaching on unity in the community of Philippi. In the opening verses of chapter 2, look at the importance of unity in the community in light of the following example, in the light of the following example of Yeshua and emulating his humility and sacrifice. In this, we can, dis- we can discuss the deep, the deep theological implications that these verses mean to us as a Jewish community, Messianic Jewish community, in another sermon or class. In this week's Torah portion, where we see a glaring example of the consequences of disunity in community of the Jewish people when the 12 spies were sent out to check out the land of Canaan and to report back about what was there. In, at this point, the, the people were at the brink of entering the promised land, entering the land that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, there, and Moses sent out 12, 12 spies one man from each of the 12 tribes to go out and to check and to look over the land so, so they could know what, what they were dealing with you know, with the land. And sadly, only two of the 12, tri- 12 spies, including Caleb, came back with a good report of that there's bountiful, bountiful produce. And then I think if you saw, saw on the top, I love this little piece of, of clip art of the, of the huge, of the two men carrying the huge... Uh, the huge grapes, the grapes thing that I, that I put on the front of the. Yeah, I've, I've been, I've, I've been, I've, I've had, I've had that for a long time. I've been waiting to actually use it, and I was thought, I was putting the bulletin together. I go, oh, 
I can use I can use the spies with the really big grapes this week. But sadly, sadly though though Caleb Caleb and the other spy reported about the goodness of the land and how and their great confidence in God allowing the Jewish people to take the land to to claim the land promised to the forefathers and for which the the people were separated for over 400 years in Egypt. But sadly, there were the, the ten other 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 spies gave a negative report, and they talked about how that they were like just grasshoppers before the people. That, that everyone in the land was was giants, and they would be crushed. This this sense of disunity, this uh, disunity among the spies, especially being that the majority of over the ten of the twelve, you know, called the people to to not go forward cost that generation the opportunity to enter into the land that was a promise. This, they were standing at the brink of entering the land, but because of disunity, they were not able to go forward into the land, a promise. This lack of unity kept that generation from moving forward into God's blessing and into his promise for the future. Today at AZS, we begin week two of our new journey as a congregation without a senior rabbi, but now led by a team leadership model. The most important value that we need at this time of change and uncertainty is to be unified and that unity be at the core for all that we are at AZS. Though change can be exciting and new opportunities of leadership and responsibility are a benefit of our new situation of not having one senior leader this can also lead people to seeking to strive for positions of authority for their own glory or to push their own agenda or values rather than focus on all leadership and service being for the Messiah and for building up his messianic community here in Santa Monica. True leadership is humble service to God and for the honor of the name of our Messiah. Our model is Yeshua, who came into our world to live and die in humility, even dying on the Roman cross, the death of a slave. Paul begins Philippians 2 with these opening words. Therefore, if you have any encouragement for me, from your being in union with the Messiah, any comfort flowing from love, any fellowship with me in the spirit, or any compassion and sympathy, then complete my joy by having a common purpose and a common love, by being one in heart and mind. Do nothing out of rivalry or vanity, but in humility regard each other as better than yourselves. Look out for each other's interests and not just for your own. That's verses 1 through 4 of Philippians chapter 2. Paul here calls the Philippians to identify with the character qualities of Yeshua, namely his humility. One of the major themes of the letter of Philippians, especially this chapter, is humility and how by being humble, the believer is modeling the Messiah. As one seeks to model the Messiah, it should lead to imitation of the Messiah more fully in one's life. Paul here is calling the Philippians to abandon rivalry and vanity, to walk in humility, to model the Messiah, 
with the goal of growing beyond modeling to imitating the Messiah in the daily life. After laying aside rivalry and vanity and taking on humility, now the follower of Yeshua can look to the needs of others and no longer be focused solely on themselves. Once Paul has called the Philippians to seeking the best for others and not just for themselves, he will continue showing more of the self-sacrificing love and humble service of the Messiah that we will call them to emulate in their lives. To be like the Messiah is to be other-centered and Messiah-centered and have the mindset of Yohanan, the immerser, who was speaking about Yeshua declared, he, Yeshua, must become more important while I become less important. In verse 5, Paul continues on, he says, Let your attitude toward another be governed by your being in union with Messiah Yeshua. Paul here calls the Philippians to take on the humble servitude of Yeshua to model the master by ordering all their life in accordance to their new life in Messiah. One of the important lessons of Philippians is humility and the importance of humility and unity among people within the Messian community. With Yeshua's the ultimate example of humility, as seen in the Messianic hymn, which is verses 9 through 11, Paul calls the Philippians all to embrace the humble example of Yeshua in their lives so as to bring unity. As the community as a whole will begin to embrace humility, then there is true unity and an end to strife and dissension. Paul, in his letter to Corinth, expands on what this means when he wrote, I'm not issuing an order, rather, I'm testing the genuineness of your love against the diligence of others. For you know how generous our Lord Yeshua the Messiah was. For your sakes, he was impoverished, even though he was rich so that he might make you rich by means of his poverty. Union with the Messiah to be genuine requires a life that imitates and models that of, of Yeshua. In walking, following his pattern of humility and self-sacrifice, we can fully live out the Messiah's life and example, and more than being just followers or believers, but we can become living witnesses of the Messiah in us and living through us. We become the good news of Messiah in our world. We model his and walk in his ways. Verse 6 reads, Though he was in the form of God, he didn't regard equality with God something to be possessed by force. Here we see our Messiah's example of humility and servitude by not seeking to force his authority that he had and demonstrate to us what true humility means. Verse 7. On the contrary, he, Yeshua, emptied himself and that he took the form of a slave by coming like human beings are. And when he appeared as a human being, Yeshua here goes further in an example of humility and servanthood by emptying himself to come into the world that he created, the creator of the universe, the one who was at the beginning of the world of creation, became a part of the created order. And that's, that's, that's beyond, well, most things about God is, is beyond comprehension. But to think that the creator, the one who spoke the world into, into being, became a baby and lived his life and lived his life and went going to the point of giving his life 
on the, on the cross in white. So, at, there, so, uh, so an example, uh, uh, so uh, Yeshua here goes further than an example by acknowledging and serving by emptying himself and coming to the world he created. Uh, Pastor Brian Chappell gave a powerful example of what this means in practical terms using a story about an African chief. So this is a, this is a way of, in, in our, that we can look at this. In this particular part of Africa, the chief was the strongest man in the village. As the chief, he also wears a very large headdress and ceremonial robes. One day, a man carrying water out of, this, out of a well fell and broke his leg and lay helpless at the bottom of the well. To get down to the bottom, one would have to climb down the, the slits that go all the way to the, down the well and then climb back up with the man. Because no one in the village could carry the helpless man up like this, the chief was summoned. When he saw the plight of the man, he laid aside his headdress and robe, climbed all the way to the bottom, put the injured man on himself, and brought him up to safety. He did what no other man could do. That's what Yeshua has done for us. He has come to rescue us, and he has laid aside his heavenly glory, like the chief did with his headdress and robes, in order to save us. Now, did the chief cease being the chief when he laid aside his headdress? Of course not. And Yeshua did not cease being God when he came to rescue us. Like the chief of the temporary laid aside his headdress and robes, the marks of his authority to humble himself and to save the man who had fallen in the, into the well. So Yeshua set aside his divine authority to be the humble savior of his people. Even further than that, just becoming a part of humanity, which is amazing, Yeshua took on the lowest place in the culture of his day, the role of a slave. The slave in the Greco-Roman world was deprived of most basic rights. The sovereign creator made himself nothing. He identified himself with the lowest rung of society, the, the slave. Messiah, and this, and this is in Mark, he said, that Yeshua said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. So like the, like the, the chief who put aside his, his, his marks of authority, Yeshua came down, the one who was the creator of the world, not only became a man, but came into our world in the lowest spot. In John 13, we see a powerful illustration of Yeshua's servant mentality. And this was, this was at, at the uh, last Passover meal that, that the Yeshua had with his disciples, also, also known as the Last Supper. But this was at, at the meal with, with the disciples before his, his death. Yeshua knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. So he got up from the supper, laid aside his robe, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel tied around him. Yeshua here doing the work which would have been done by a slave. While the disciples at this time were jockeying for position, looking to see who will be what uh, who will be at the right hand of Yeshua in the kingdom of heaven, the one with all authority, Yeshua the Messiah, began to wash their feet. Here, 
the one of greatest authority was showing his, his lowliness and his willingness to humble humility and service to his people, to, to his disciples by washing their feet. This should be an example to us all that unity in our community is based on servant leadership and modeling our Messiah. Whatever role we play in our community, we need to be ready to serve others and understand that in so doing, we are modeling our Messiah. Verse 8 reads, He humbled himself still more by coming obedient to death, even death on the stake as a criminal. Messiah's whole life was marked by humility. Look at his birth. He wasn't born to an influential city like Alexandria, Rome, Athens, or Jerusalem. He was born near a feeding trough in Bethlehem. He lived for 30 years in relative obscurity. Then in his earthly ministry, he was known for loving unlovable people and humbly serving others. At his death, he was nailed to the stake, nailed to the cross, alongside two criminals. Messiah humbled himself voluntarily. Neither Herod, Pilate, nor the Romans humbled him. No one can humble Yeshua. He chose to empty himself. He humbled himself, and we must model his humility and self-sacrifice ourselves. We too must choose humility if we want to seek unity in our community. Yeshua's humility and self-sacrificial giving led him to the most horrible fates in the Roman world, death by crucifixion. Yet his humble servanthood led to the building of his messianic unity, which we are a part. Though we may not, like our master, be called to lay down our lives literally to death, we are called in our lives to model humility and willingness, to sacrifice and to serve, and so doing become more like our Messiah. And we will grow AZS to be a synagogue that is empowered and strengthened by the unity we foster by being like Messiah. Yeshua is our Messiah, our Lord and our example. He gave himself for the Messianic community, and we as his disciples are called to follow his example. We will soon be reciting the Alenu and the added verses from Philippians 2, 9 through 11, where we acknowledge the future cosmic reign of our righteous Messiah. We also, as we say these words, recall our responsibility to model his example of humility and sacrifice that are key to unity and spiritual growth for us nowadays, yes, especially in this new era of change and exploring life and Messiah in a new way. I will conclude with a prayer that Yeshua offered just before his death when he prayed for unity in the Messianic community that modeled the unity between him and the Father. These are the words of Yeshua. I pray not only for these but also for those who will trust me because of their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are united with me and I with you. I pray that they may be united with us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given to me, I have given to them. They may be one, just as you and I are one. I united with them and you with me so that they may be completely one, and the world thus realize that you sent me, and that you have loved them just as you have loved me. May we at ACS model ourselves after Yeshua and follow his example of humility 
He's an example of service to others and sacrifice. And here is in this concluding thing, the important thing of his prayer for unity, that we all take, our, take time daily to pray for unity in our community, pray for the continuing growth of our community. And may we at ACS model ourselves after Yeshua and build unity in our community by living lives of humility and service to the one, to one another, and for our Messiah. But Lord, you are good. We thank you, Lord, for the words of your servant, Paul. We thank you, Lord, for the knowledge that we've been given that you are the Messiah of Israel and that we can come to this place each week and honor you and live out our, our goal here of living Jewish life renewed in Yeshua. We thank you, Lord, for the legacy that you've given this, this place for 45 years so far a faithful service to you, Lord, and may we do the work that's necessarily to be humble servants, to strive to, to continue this work to 45 years or more until your glorious return, Lord. We thank you for all who are here. We thank you, Lord, that you gave us this opportunity to open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears to hear what you say here and help us to put it into practice. And may we truly be a place that honors you and models and emulates the one who is our king, who is our Messiah, and who is our Lord, even Yeshua. Amen. Please rise, page 93, for the Elenu. Leodon Hako, Latet Gidula Leotzer Vereshit, 